listening to The Jim Laird Show on Body IO FM, where health and performance collide with your host, Jim Laird. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Jim Laird Show brought to you by Body IO. Uh, today I have Lori Lindsay on the line, which is really cool because Lori was a member of the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, she also played professional soccer for uh, for a very long period of time and was uh, an outstanding uh, soccer player at UVA. And um, I'm really excited to have her on today because we can talk about a lot of things as far as like female athletic development, athletic development in general. Um, you know, this is great for young girls and parents that aspire to have their kids play at a higher level to talk about, you know, what it takes to play at a high level. Um, and and just basically, and also the transition period after, like, what do you do after you've played soccer your whole life and all of a sudden it's gone? So, Lori, thanks for being on today. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Thanks, Jim. I'm excited to be on. It's always um, great to chat with you. This will be fun. Yeah, we don't we don't chat at all. So we actually talked for like almost two <laughs> hours yesterday. So, so yeah, Lori, yeah. let's talk about, let's get into like how you started out, like, uh, you know, a little bit of your childhood you know, what kind of sports you played, you know, what kind of student you were, that kind of deal. And, and we'll just kind of go into your athletic background. Awesome. Yeah. So I grew up in Indiana, uh, Midwest, you and I both. So, um, and I have a brother who's a couple years older than me. So just from an early age, I was thrown into athletics, particularly soccer was my main sport, but played everything from softball, basketball, um, ran track and field, um, played in the backyard, and just doing everything that my brother was doing. And so, you know, and from an early age, I was a competitive little girl and wanted to always beat my brother Chris at everything. So that kind of fueled the fire to um, dive into athletics and kind of pursue that um, wholeheartedly as I continued to um, get older and more into more serious about sports. Absolutely. So you, you played in high school. Were, did you play only soccer in high school? Did you play multiple sports in high school? Yeah, it wasn't until my sophomore year that I started to concentrate only on soccer up until then I was playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, what age with... well, sophomore? That's what, what age is that? Yeah. 15. Yeah. That's, so. that's about right. From... So 15 or 16, you should start to like, you know, figure out which sport you're going to focus on. So that's, that's pretty, pretty good compared to what's going on today. So how would you describe yourself yeah. as like a high school soccer player? Like, were you the star of the team or were you a role player? What was your, what was your uh, kind of deal there? Yeah, so I was, you know, the the reason why I stopped playing basketball at the time was because um, my soccer had just started to get so competitive. I was playing um, Olympic Development Program, or ODP, mm-hmm. which is popular when I was growing up, and I was playing on a lot of the youth national teams. So those were taking me away during the the what's winter time and stuff to go to camps down in Florida in California. So those were really the reasons why, I mean, I love playing basketball. Um, it, you know, it allowed me to stay conditioned, just give me something different. Um, but it was really kind of around 15, 16 that my soccer really started to pick up and I knew it was time to kind of focus on that. Um, so yes, I would say that, you know, I, from, 
you know, middle school years, I was really just kind of a dedicated athlete. I loved it. I was serious about my academics as well, but I just loved diving in, competing, um, playing sports, and just, you know, being a part of a team. So for me, that just kind of carried on, and, and I loved, I fell in love with the process of training, right? So I, you know, was doing stuff all the time on my own in my backyard. My dad had built us a, a goal in the backyard, and so fueled everything going into um, high school. And so by then, yes, I was definitely high-quality player being looked at um, by different colleges um, and just really intrinsically motivated to continue to get better each day and, and really reach my potential. Did your, did your dad put a lot of pressure on you as far as, like, um, being successful? And was he one of those crazy <laughs> parents, or was he pretty decent about, about your, uh, your athletic career? Uh, his name was Crazy Larry Lindsay. That was a nickname against um, from all of us and all of our friends and stuff. But you know what's interesting about my dad is we called him Crazy Larry Lindsay. It was a, you know, sort of a joke and sort of not. But one thing that um, I really appreciate looking back is that he was crazy in the fact that like, you know, he wasn't going to be the dad that was going to sit us down to help us with our homework. So he was the dad that was like, okay, you are going, he could help us on the soccer field. That's what he knew best. So he was like, how can I, what tools can I give my kids that will help them excel in life? And for us, that was encouraging us to respect the game, you know, take ownership of our, the process of our goals. And so even though he was crazy in the fact that like when we came home, he like demanded that we were practicing ball skills before we did our homework and that kind of stuff, it became, that was early on. And then it became part of the process for us, right? So, you know, one thing that I always talk to about youth is that my dad had us polishing our boots when I was in sixth that might sound like kind of like crazy to some parents, like what in the world? That sounds like child abuse, right? But like realistically it set me it set me up for success in the fact that like respect the game, respect what you're doing, um, you know, take ownership and pride in what you're doing. We're not just gonna go through the motions and pay for soccer to do this and that. And and those are the skills that I still use to this day, even now as a coach, to um, educate my own athletes that I'm coaching now and just daily habits that I use post-playing career. Yeah, details so, matter. I mean, Coach Wooden would absolutely. teach his players how to put their socks on so they wouldn't get, get blisters. Blister. So then you ended, yeah, up going to, uh, you ended up going to UVA, and mm-hmm. you ended up being the uh, ACC, um, was it Women's Player of the Year? Was that the award that you yep. got? Uh, was that generally Women's Athlete of the Year or like uh, Women's like, like Soccer Player of the Year? Yeah, award. soccer play of the year. So okay. ACC is usually considered, um, which which I take great pride in because it's usually the most competitive conference in the country in terms of women's soccer. I mean, you have UNC yeah. won obviously um, crazy amounts of um, national championships. You have Florida State, who more recently has been extremely successful. UVA, um, we're consistently in the top five. So yeah, um, two-time ACC Player of the Year. Yeah, which, and, the, and the only person, uh, other person, one of my favorite honors. Still, one, one of the only yeah. person to ever do that is Mia Hamm. So that, yeah, that exactly. ought to give people the yeah, kind of idea of the kind of college player that you were to be, you know, to have to be the MVP of the ACC and the only other person to do that is, is Mia Hamm, which is, which is pretty incredible. Um, tell me how your role changed. Like, so you were the superstar in college. You scored a lot of goals when you went to professional soccer and then you went to the national team. How did your role change from, from, from high school to college to the pro professional soccer? Yeah, I think for me, it's always like, it's like a learning process, right? So I would, 
you know, you know, as I mentioned before, I was intrinsically motivated. So I'd get to UVA and I would have quite a bit of success. And that wasn't without hard work. Here, I was, you know, reassessing, okay, how did the season go? What are some areas better? Can I um, distribute the midfielder? What can I do to continue to set myself apart, you know, and, and add those in um, day in and day out to my routine? So um, each level that I got to, um, I would have that same plan. You know, I'd go to professional soccer and I was like, okay, I'm not a big fish in a little pond anymore. This is actually the opposite. But then it gave me a chance to like reassess, okay, how can I get a little bit better? How am I going to separate myself? What um, are some of these top players doing that I'm not doing? What can I bring value to? And so each step, um, you know, obviously the, the smallest details started separating the players. When you're in high school, you know, it's big, huge things that can separate a great player from just a good player. And then it just gets smaller and smaller once you get to the top level. And, you know, with the national team, I think what people forget is it's the tiniest little things that separate you from the next player. And um, that's just what I continue to do is just um, stay true to the way I wanted to play, but also finding little ways that I could fine tune um, my game and my athleticism to continue for me to be successful. Yeah, and it definitely and, uh, is not a linear path, Jim. Yeah. No, it's not. And, 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 you know, I think that's where the detail, like your father with the polishing the boots thing, you know, really pays off in the end because, you know, the higher level you go, the closer the margin is. But I think I'm putting, I'm kind of leading you a little bit because we've talked about this in the past, but I think, you know, one of the things that I've noticed from talking to you is that you were like a superstar, you know, in, in, in college. And then when you went to the national team, you became more of a role player. Would that be a correct assessment? Yeah, absolutely. So you weren't, you, know, you weren't the, like that's... a, you weren't like a goal scorer. You were more of a, of a role player on the national level. And, and I, that's something I have to explain to my high school kids, especially like transitioning from being the big fish in high school to going to college that, okay, you were the big stud in high school. Well, in college, you might have to be like in basketball, you might have to be the guy that rebounds and blocks out. You might not be mm -hmm. that scorer anymore. That doesn't mean you can't be that scorer, but you're going to be asked to do different things. And a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of athletes that make it to professional sports that aren't necessarily the best. They just happen to be at the right place at the right time. Absolutely. At the right, right place at the right time and consistent and willing to put in the work and um, adhere to what the team needs and what they can provide. You and know, staying, not everybody and is set up. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Resilience is key. And, you know, um, and as I go on, as I go on, and one thing I, I talk a lot about as well, and we've talked about in the past is just, you know, how can you, and I mentioned this prior, previously, but how can these athletes take ownership of their, their own career, right? Because it isn't a linear path and it is about the process and working hard because there's a lot, let's be honest, there's a lot of opportunity for young female athletes these days and there's a lot of good players out there. But there are some major things that separate the good players from the great things and that's how you go about it every single day, you know, and um, it's about the details, it's about what you put in and learning from that, right? Learning what is working What's an area that you can change? How can you improve that sets you up for success? So when I transitioned from being this like star go-to player to with the national team, yeah, that's, um, you know, and even taking the step just to the pro league at first, I was a role player until I became more of like a captain in, in that role. But, 
it's it's not easy because you're used to being a star player but at the same time you're like okay what can I provide the team? I'm playing at this high level. I'm, um, you know, I've fallen in love with this process. I'm chipping away. I'm maximizing what I can get out of sport, and I'm becoming a better person and player at the same time. You know, I think that's really what it's all about. What do you think that you know? Here, here's you know, we talked about this yesterday, and um, you know, I I tell every one of the kids that comes in to me that has aspirations of playing at a higher level. I'm like, look. You know, this is how many kids play high school. This is how many kids get scholarships. And here's how many people, you know, get paid to play what, you know, professionally. And the number is unbelievably low, you know, especially when you get into like women's soccer, how many women can actually make a living playing soccer. And so I tell these kids, you know, the things you're going to learn is like work ethic, how to win and lose, how to work with it as a team, how to deal with difficult coaches, you know, how to how to play fair you know, those sort of things. Is that a fair assessment? Like what has growing up as an athlete done for you as a person? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I mean, listen, we're not making that up, right? Those are the numbers. It is um, small, small percentages. If you look at football and um, how many athletes are going to the NFL, how many are going to major league baseball of that. Right. And and I'm not here to shatter anybody's dreams. In fact, I, I think sport should be, incredibly positive experience and we should develop life skills from sports and um but with that said is listen it's a lot of hard work i think that's what people don't understand it's not just about showing up for practice it's not just about showing up um and doing um a little bit of um skill work here a little bit of improving your athleticism here it's about um you know, it's about the process. It's about putting in the hard work and getting a little bit better each day. And I think whether you make it to the highest level or not, we can all learn those lessons, you know. And, and for me, I still use those lessons today, you know, as um, somebody who owns their own business, starting up her own business. I mean, you just got to chip away every day, right? And it's about the process and the hard work. And, you know, sometimes we get caught up in, like, we want it now, now, now. But at the end of the day, that's just not – that's not – the case right the amount of work if i take the the 2015 world cup team or even when i was playing at the 2011 world cup team the amount of years and time that all of us collectively put in time when no one was watching running conditioning that you were falling over because you knew that um it was going to lead to like the 91st minute in the world cup final um you know those those are the hours that people don't see you know and if you're willing to put it in, then awesome. There's so much opportunity. There's so many different avenues, whether it's scholarship, whether it's, um, you know, trying to play pro, any of that. You know, I'm all for people going after their dreams. But I think people also need to take a step back and willing take a look to see what the amount of effort they're willing to put in. Yeah. And, and then balance, too, like making sure you don't put all your eggs Absolutely. in one basket. Um, you know, yep. trying to teach, you know, and also offering the perspective like this is going to end one day and you happen to be Lori Lindsay, who happens to be a great soccer player. You're not Lori Lindsay, the soccer player. You know, like you don't like the <laughs> soccer is in your identity. You're still a great person, regardless of whether you play play soccer or not. Is there anything looking back on your career that you wish you would have done differently or something that maybe you would have done uh, to be a little bit smarter? Well, I think there'd be a couple of things. One, I would have like encouraged my parents to put me in some sort of gymnastics 
type um, class when I was really young. You know, even if that was what I was doing at the age of five, just tumbling, moving around, hanging, climbing. I think um, for any parents, young kids that are listening, if you can get yourself into like a sports performance program that does that, or even just a, a basic young gymnastic class, that's huge. Because it develops the overall um, general athleticism for these kids that they need right. to sustain over the long haul. And the best athletes who in turn became some of the best soccer players because of that, and they were able to stay healthy, were people that were involved in gymnastics. And I can tell every kid that comes into the gym that works with me in our sports performance program here, I'm like, you did gymnastics when you were really young. And you can just tell the way that they understand their body, their body awareness. Even if they're 12 years old, you you see how it set them up for success just at that age. So that'd be one. And then two, I would have um, started working on my business more so when I was playing. Um, instead of like diving into it. And, and that's, that's difficult, you know, hindsight because you're playing, we're traveling, but I would have, especially when I was on the national team, we were on the road, full-time job, obviously. Um, but I would have started chipping away and branding, getting my message branding, out. Branding yourself a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. And, and getting my message out about young female athletes and um, becoming resilient through better preparation as athletes. Mm-hmm. And that alone will help set you up for, a stronger life, but also a, a, a stronger soccer career. Sure. And so, um, but, so those would be the two things. Oh, awesome. That, that's pretty reasonable. Um, I mean, obviously you've had, <laughs> you've had great success. So obviously, you know, you did a lot of things, right. Um, let's talk about what you're doing now. So what, what do you got going on right now? Yeah. So, um, I got a couple different things going on, um, and then there's like branches off of both of them. But um, in house, in person, I am at Beyond Street Performance, which is in Sterling, Virginia, outside DC, um, near the Dulles Airport. And we have started up a um, long term athletic development program here. So it's um, geared a lot towards female soccer players who, you know, have not been able to have some sort of like strength program, athleticism program, and getting them in and just really giving them um, what they don't get on the field. Um, as the kind of like the landscape now for female soccer players, it's a year-round, or many, many sports in general, it's a year-round sport. So there's not much time off, and um, they're playing year-round, so it's the same muscle, same, um, same, same movement patterns. Yeah, exactly. So we're just really here to build up a general athleticism, keep them um, – you know, as injury-free as possible and um, having fun, but also just more resilient so that they're ready, more prepared for on-field activity. So we have that going on right in person. And then via my website and also like Lori Lindsay Performance, just putting out content um, that speaks to a lot of parents and coaches within the, the soccer, female soccer realm um, about my experiences, what I found coaching youth athletes now and um, how I think we can change the land, landscape a little bit and set these um, young athletes up for for success going forward. Absolutely. Now that you've started working with a lot of um, you know young female athletes, what are the some of the common things that you're seeing? Well, just kind of like what I touched on before in terms of the gymnastics. Um, you know, you see a wide range, but across the board, usually you see or what I'm finding um, is just. I mean, for lack of a better term, more unprepared um, 
about athletes. So in, you know, in the short term, it might look like, okay, my, my young daughter is excelling rapidly, but there's a ceiling for that is only so high until you start to see injuries until the same skills are being performed, the same movement patterns. So, um, it's just my, I feel like it's my responsibility to help build this general athleticism that will offset a lot of those specific movement patterns that they're, again, that they're getting just from playing soccer year round. I think Louis Simmons, you know, he said, you know, the pyramid is only as tall as the base, like the bigger the base, the taller the pyramid can go. And I see the same things. I see kids that are highly skilled, but cannot do basic things like cartwheels or they can't do a jumping jack or, you know, Mm -hmm. they can't skip or they can't bear crawl. You know, and all these things end up biting you on the ass. Um, and that's why, like for you, you know, you grew up in a time you had a brother, you were physical, you probably did a lot of wrestling and play fighting when you were early in your early development. And then you played multiple sports up to 15 or 16. So you picked up all these different skills. Kids today don't do that. They sit on their ass, they play video games, they sit in a desk eight hours a day, and then they're thrown into this highly skilled sport and they do the best they can, but they don't have that under overall base uh level of preparedness to prepare them for stepping up when they have to move up a level and it, yep. it's, it's very unfortunate so we're literally like glorified phys ed teachers we're having to go back and teach these kids just some basic things so that they can stay healthy and so that they can actually move you know the way the the way the coaches um is asking them to now, there was a question on facebook which i i thought was was pretty good um by Damon Amato, and uh, let's see if I can pull it up here. But ba- basically, he was asking, like, you've played on all these professional teams. You played in college. You played in, um, you know, you know in, the, in the pros and on the national team. Uh, he was asking about different forms of conditioning programs. Like, you know, did you have? I'm sure you had ones that you liked better than others. You know, what did you? What are the common things that uh, you found worked? And then, what were some of the things that that didn't really work for you? Um, yeah, like so. Basically, mm-hmm. what 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 did you basically find find that worked, and and what didn't work essentially as far as like you know conditioning programs. Yeah, I think you know I was I was very fortunate with going to UVA and having a support system there, and um, you know then obviously going with into the national team and us having our own fitness coach with Don Scott there, who's still who's still there, and you know as. As I went up the ladder, everything became more individualized, right? Because we know that every athlete's different, that we all need something right. a little bit different that's going to help us um, continue to improve and, and set us apart but and keep us healthy, essentially. But, um, you know, so as, as I went up the ladder, it, when it became more individualized and we're hit, wearing heart rate monitors, it was more focused towards, like, what position we're playing on a midfielder. So, you know, there's a lot of cutting. There's a lot of deceleration, acceleration in that um, um position so once that became more individualized and that that was huge right because if you're just going to throw somebody in i think what we see sometimes in even in college where you just have i'll give an example there's a popular test early on that was just like 120s mm-hmm. so the length of the soccer field is 120 yards we just get everybody on line, on the line and you got to get down there in 18 seconds back in the 30 seconds then you get the remainder of the minute right and you have to do 10 of those and early on now my first couple of years before we got a little bit more smart at uva um those are the types of things we were doing where we did this test that was crazy called the sebco which was like 24 minutes of all this crazy stuff and it, it wasn't even about conditioning it was almost just about beating the test right so you have 
that type of um, conditioning that just kills the athlete, that's not geared towards um, what that individual needs. Because um, some people don't have a good foundation that we're talking about in that pyramid. They need more of an aerobic base to build up so then they can do you know, higher intensity runs throughout the game. But if you're just going to throw somebody into high intensity runs that don't have a base, you're going to destroy your athlete. And so once we kind of took a step back, started individualizing programs, taking a look at our athletes, um, wearing heart rate monitors, that's when it became a lot more efficient. And we actually set all the te- our teams up and the individuals up for success in their, in their performance. But prior to that, and just throwing all these athletes into, um, kind of a general, um, you know, fitness test or just general fitness, like we're going to run cones today after practice as, a, as if it's punishment, then that's when you start destroying athletes, you know? So as long the way, as I kind of went along the path, you know, we became smarter as fitness coaches. Um, we became, in terms of physiology, it became, everything was advancing. So that became better. But when you're just, I still see, um, coaches that are throwing kids into just random fitness and it's killing them. It's destroying them. Um, add that into not really being athletically developed in the same movement, movement patterns that we've talked about prior. I mean, that's why you're seeing kids drop out. That's why you're seeing the injuries. That's why you're seeing kids not reach their maximum potential, even if they do have quite a high ceiling to, to get to. Well, yeah, and I, and I see yeah. the same thing. You know, I see you know high school programs that are running their goalies 120 yards. And it's just like yeah. really why? why? And um, know. you know, I see it with football. You know, uh, they're running their linemen the same as their wide receivers, and it's just it's just it's just crazy. Um, you mm-hmm. worked uh, you worked with uh, Mike Robertson and Eric Cressy, who are two people that I I greatly respect. When you were playing professional soccer, what, what did your programming look like uh, when you were playing? Uh, you know, when you were working with those guys. Yeah. Um, you know, most of the time when it, um, when I was working with them, it was in the off season. Um, because obviously during the season, um, 100% I'm an advocate of being on a program for sure, but it was just a more limited type training program when I was in season. So in the off season, I would, you know, dive in and, um, try to make as much gains as I could, whether it's through strength, um, for some of the stuff, stuff I lost during the season, whether it's fitness, so for with them, you know, I would seek out how can I get better? And those guys, I would reach out. They'd write my programs and no matter where I was and I would be able to um, implement that into my for my training. But a lot of them, a lot of it was just regaining some strength that I had lost, set me up for the upcoming season. And it included, um, you know, typical strength stuff, um, total body movements, and then a little bit of conditioning at the end and um, supply metric work at the beginning. So really, I think you and I have talked about this before, which is hilarious, is just like via YouTube, you see a lot of these professional athletes or people um, show athletes jumping all around, this and that. And in reality, that's not really the truth. Everything that I was doing towards the end was basic stuff that I needed to do. I wasn't doing like crazy amounts of um, jumping on my head to the, you know, to one legged flips or anything like that. It was very much like, let's improve total body strength. Let's, um, improve elasticity for me, but, you know, repetitive jumps to improve some quickness and, um, you know, because I'm a strong athlete, but I needed some of that kind of bounce in my step. Um, and then finish off with some, some smart conditioning, um, geared to, towards my needs. And it's really 
nothing that you're going to show on YouTube <laughs> that has me like bouncing on a BOSU ball, right? Yeah, it's, um, it's, now, it's funny because, you know, when I've worked with professional athletes and I worked with a guy named Scott Downs for 11 years, who was a, a major league uh, pitcher, um, you know, people, even when I went to University of Arizona as an intern, I was like, wow, I'm going to be at U of A. We're going to be working with all these great athletes. You're going to be able to do all this cool stuff. And most of them struggled with the basics, you know. And mm -hmm. so I think people get into this industry thinking they're going to be able to do all these cool things. And people forget that you're a soccer player. You're not a weightlifter, you know. And, you know, it really doesn't take anything fancy. Even talking to Brad Ornette, my former boss at Arizona, with what he does with J.J. Watt. And it really comes down to basic fundamental stuff. I mean, he does some pretty cool box jumps and stuff, but JJ's just doing basic fundamental stuff. I mean, it's nothing fancy. It's nothing crazy. Uh, it's nothing that's going to beat his body up in the weight room like he's getting beat up on the football field. So I think, you know, you're correct in your assessment that, you know, people see what people are doing on online and then they train their high school athlete like that and it's just totally just ridiculous. They don't see all the work that went into getting JJ Watt to jump on that box or preparing him to be able to do that, or the fact that he might only do that a couple times on an off season. So, mm -hmm. no, I think that's um, key, and it's um, what you said about we're building athletes, not weightlifters, you know. And I, I talked to that to coaches and parents a lot about that because I think one of the misconceptions is, okay, well, why do I don't want my kid to be like lifting all this weight or this and that? And it's it's not about becoming the best weightlifter, right? It's about giving the athlete tools that will help them be resilient on the field and improve their performance and keep them healthy in the long run. And while adding in some accountability, teamwork, and, and you know, getting a little bit better each day. But I think that's a misconception there. And, you know, I think that's an, an area that we can continue to educate and let people know it's, it's not about getting big and bulky and um, max weightlifting. It's about getting stronger, moving better, and so that can translate onto the field. How much do you talk to your athletes about the off the field stuff? Like, you know, um, I think athletes think that, you know, they, all they got to do is show up and practice. And, you know, obviously fitness is like aerobic fitness is something you have to do year round. You can't just like play and then sit on your ass and do nothing. Even on your off season, you've got to be doing something. You just don't want to be doing something at an ultra competitive level. You need a break from competition. But are you talking to your athletes about nutrition and sleep and all these things that, that uh, are very important? Yeah, I mean, especially about re on the recovery aspect of sleep, nutrition, because I think nowadays it's also it's almost like not who can perform the best. It's almost like who can recover the best. Right. So then they can go out and then the performance in return will just be better um, because kids are being pulled in so many different directions. It's like, OK, everyone take a step back. More is not always better. Let's have some practice be a part of a sports performance program that's going to help develop you and get sleep and rest and have available time for your life too, right? I mean, it can be very simple. I think we make it a lot more complicated. But I think nowadays there's so many kids playing. They're, you know, they're being asked to practice three times a week, playing multiple games on the weekend. And it's like, okay, if you can get some basic nutrition down, get some good rest and um, sleep, immediately you know and develop those types of habits you're going to be ahead of the game and in return your performance is going to be better than most because most are on their phones till late at night 
they are, you know, and, and I think it goes hand in hand. Um, I'm a big advocate in terms of balance too, but you know, a lot of times I see is that these kids have these aspirations and then a lot of their daily activities don't match up with what they're saying their aspirations are. And I think that's when the education comes in. It's like, okay, let's, these are, these are the goals you want to do. You can absolutely have a life. And as you should have a life, you know, you, you're still a young athlete. You should be, um, going out, enjoying yourself. And I believe that that will help become a better soccer player. So some well-roundedness, but at the same time to be able to do that, you need to dial in on some of these areas that you want to, to chip away at. So you can become that soccer player that you are the athlete that you want to be. And I think those are some key things. And if you decide not to do that, that's fine too. But because um, there's going to be somebody else that will take your your position, right? So I think there needs to be some talks and some education along those lines for the athletes. I, I get so many kids that their parents bring their kid in and they're like, "Well, my kid is out of shape and." You know, we need to do more conditioning, and then I start talking to the kid. I'm like, okay, so what do you eat during the day? And it's like, uh, you know, no breakfast or, like, a bowl of cereal. And then for lunch they have, like, uh, you know, uh, some sort of, like, breakfast bar. And then for dinner it's like a pizza. And then they're, like, not going to bed till 1 o'clock in the morning because they're on Facebook and uh, or whatever, Instagram or Snapchat or whatever the new thing is now. Um, and, and it's like really i'm like you're gonna can put more conditioning on top of that they're already practicing three times a week plus they've got you know they're going and working out with a with a specific coach i'm like if you load more conditioning on that you're just going to break them and you talk to them about look you need to start eating more real food you need to sleep and then within a week or two all of a sudden their performance is going up they have more energy and so Mm -hmm. most you know most a lot of coaches will just say well we're going to throw them on the treadmill and we're going to run the crap out of them and Mm -hmm. and there's a there's not enough education about okay this is like a this is like a 365 day year-round process and you know consistency trumps intensity you know 10 times uh you're better to be consistent and take better care of yourself over the long haul so you can handle training than you are to just add more intensity to somebody who's you know basically not eating well and isn't resting yeah i think i mean that's the exact key and there's you know Listen, soccer, athletics, it's amazing, right? I love it. I'm in love with sports. I love soccer. I love everything about it. I love my journey, everything. But there's a lot of things that aren't sexy about it. You know, it's about um, chipping away, as I spoke about earlier, about just chipping away, even if it's three things, about putting deposits into the bank, chipping away at those every single day, and setting yourself up for success in the long haul. And the, the issue is it's it's – we do it for a week, right? And we do other things and then we do it for a week and then we do it. And so the consistency exactly is where, where people will rise, you know, and we, I see that all the time at the highest level. People in our pro league have a real desire to play on the national team. You know, that's where you can make a living. It's the one we consider the best team in the world in terms of women's soccer. But, um, it's a lot different playing on the national team. There's a lot more pressure, and it's a lot different in terms of the standard and the consistency playing and excelling at that level day in and day out than it is playing on our pro level. And people don't seem they you know they don't get that because you can kind of float in and out even at the pro level, you know. And with a national team, it's like you are fighting every single day for a spot. And and I'm not saying that everyone has to get to the national team level, but that's kind of just the basic principles. Consistency, put it in, and you will be amazed if you just chip away at the basics um, and have that consistency. It's like anything in life. You will have success. 
Well, but we and want that, and that's, we can that's, fall that's, into wanting it now, 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 right? That that's you know thing that people don't realize. If you want to be good at anything, whether it's business or relationships or whatever, you're going to have to shovel some shit to grow some flowers. I mean, that's just the way mm-hmm. it works. <laughs> and people don't want; they just want the flowers. They don't want to have to shovel the shit, you know. And so, you know, that that's a, a very good point that you raise. When you deal with these athletes, who's more difficult to deal with, the athlete or the parents? You know, that's an interesting question. I think, um, I wouldn't say it's difficult, but I would just say it's about putting everything in context, right? So I think we've gotten into, um, in today's world with whether it's YouTube, everyone's sweating, everyone's falling over. And, um, you know, I think it goes back to the consistency thing. Listen, if a kid just came off, you know, they've been playing year round. The last thing they need to do is come in into the off season and be like just crushed in the weight room so we can get after it in the off season. You know, I think, yes, there's a fine line. You have to put in hard work, but it's about, again, mastering the basics, figuring out how that athlete's feeling. You know, I mean, listen, if we're specifically just talking about high school and we'd have this at the professional level and we weren't even going to school, right? But it's about how to manage your stress, how to recover properly. And a lot of times it's just like maybe, um, or not even maybe, it's less is more. Coming in, giving those athletes what they need. And, and we allot for, um, depending on how old the, the athlete is, we allot anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half for our training sessions. But listen, if a, if a kid has been, you know, had quite a few games during the weekend, they've come in, um, you know, they're, they're more tired because they didn't sleep well, fine. You go through the, the warm-up, then you can easily will plug and play a little bit with what you're doing for your lift, and that's we can auto-regulate that way, you know? I mean, it doesn't it, – I think what happens with the parents is they're like, okay, sign up, they're going to get better now instead of them looking at the process and they want to be like, okay, are my kids sore? Are my kids drenching yes. with sweat? And, and really, that's not what the process is, you know? It's about, again, educating the kids um, – understanding their bodies, becoming resilient in terms of whether it's strength, becoming a little bit better conditioned, whether it's aerobically, maybe somebody needs a little bit more explosive work, whatever it is, you know, and then educating them that this is for in the long haul. They don't need to be better in one week, right? Yes. They're putting in the daily deposits. And so I think it's just about education across the board. It's not necessarily about difficulty. It's like, listen, if you want your kid to be hammered, then they can go down the street and be exhausted. But what you're going to find is in three months' time, your kid is going to be even more exhausted and they won't be able to keep up on the field, or right? Hurt. Or you can slow, yeah, exactly. Or you can slow cook the process, give them the tools they need, and in the long run, ramp it up if they need it. Yeah, absolutely. I deal with that all the time. Is, you know, we'll have kids come in here and they'll go back out and I'll, I'll talk to their parents and they're like, they aren't sweaty enough when they come out and they're not, well, your kid had three games this week and it's final exams and. You know, you got to understand, we've got to give them what they need, you know, and right now they don't need to have the crap beat out of them. They need to, to do things that are going to make them recover and get them me feeling better so they can continue to play. They don't understand that, the, you know, the training process is, you know, somewhere around 70, 80% is going to be low to moderate intensity to prepare you for that 20%. And if you're in the middle of your season, you're in the middle of hard training, the last thing you need is to come in the weight room and, and get the crap beaten out of you. Um Let's talk a little bit about um, you talking to athletes about preparing themselves for when soccer ends, and then let's talk about your own experience with, you know, the end of your career. You played at a, you know, you played soccer for for how many years? 
Uh, yeah, 30. 30 years. Okay. <laughs> I was so aging myself. Yeah. So, I mean, what does that look like? You know, you've done something for 30 years and obviously stepping into coaching, I think helps a lot in that transition, but you know, what has that been, been, been like for you? And is there, is there anything that you're doing to help prepare the athletes that you're working with now um, for when their career ends? Because I, I think that's one thing we've done is a huge disservice to athletes is not getting them prepared for the day that when they're done. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. You know, that is, is very new and recent for me in terms of just stepping away in the last year and a half, two years. I would say this. One thing that I've been incredibly fortunate with is because I did, you know, there's a little bit of luck involved with this, but because I did um, fall in love with the process, fall in love with, you know, becoming the best athlete I could, I educated myself on the fact that, um, you know, I knew that soccer was going to come to an end and that, you know, if I remained athletic post-playing, um, that would be great in terms of my transition to, um, to not playing. So for instance, like, you know, one thing that's been helping me is, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, I'm a coach now, so I'm around the athletes. I'm not just, you know, sitting at a desk, but I've also continued my training, um, in to train like an athlete, you know, I'm not doing multiple sets of this and that, but I am still doing some fun box jumps, um, um, continue to shrink train as if I was in athletics and, and have some conditioning involved there too. And that has really helped continue with my identity as, as an athlete, because I think what happens is we fall into two camps post playing. We're like, okay, I still want to be as competitive as possible. So I end up doing, you know, going the route of like CrossFit or, you know, I don't know what else to do, so I'm just going to run and, and um, train for a marathon. And while neither of those two are inherently, inherently wrong by any means, I think those are just two extremes of the spectrum. And for me, you know, just adding in some, a little bit of conditioning at the end of my training sessions, having strength training, doing some plyos, really training as an athlete still has really kept me in the mindset and set me up and given me the tools for the life I want to live now. And so, um, but the point I was making, was making earlier was that I've been fortunate because I, I stepped away when I, it was time for me to step away. I didn't have a major injury that like ended my career that didn't allow me to return to the game. But in, in some ways that was a tough decision for me as well to like, be like, okay, now's the time I've to hang up my boots and, and step away. I've maximized gotten everything out of soccer that I possibly could. Um, but so one thing that I, to answer your question about young athletes is really, I think that's the missing component is, and what we really try to teach here at the gym at BSP is, you know, this is all tools to set for you up for a strong life after soccer as well. Let's go after your goals. Let's, you know, tackle those. If, if you want to be playing the national team, let's go after it, you know? Let's go after it. Let's set you up. These are tools that are going to set you up even after whether you get to the national team or not, but you can use um, going forward in life, right? And I think sometimes we just teach like skill, 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 and then we aren't aware of like the whole process, right? And I like to add in like the skill is awesome, but let's develop this athleticism, be in this wellness aspect as well to set you up for a strong life post-playing as well it's just tools to um, be the best person you can be yeah and, and i go over that with parents when they come in i'm like look you know the chances your kid making it to the professional level are like slim to none this stuff and the training especially for women 
is one, to get them eating well so they're eating well for the rest of their life and they, they like strength training and this is going to you know, help with osteoporosis, it's going to help you know, reduce the risk of diabetes and all sorts of things so that you know, 10, 15 years from now these girls are still lifting, they're still training, they enjoy it, it's setting them up in a habit they can do for the rest of their life and it helps with their, with their confidence, it allows them to work as a team when they go to a job. You know, these are all things like for me, the biggest thing I miss about is not actually playing the sport. It's being in the locker room. I mean, that's that's the I mean, that's the you know, I there was no better time than, you know, going to two a days. And it was it was crazy, stupid. But um, I mean, just the camaraderie and the bond that you build with these guys that you spend like, you know, three weeks practicing twice a day with and going out on the town with a football team and you know i'm sure with you as well with your your soccer girls hanging out with them i mean that's what you really miss and and that and that's a hard thing to replicate i'm sure that you know uh working in your business with with some of your teammates that you have there has helped you know fill that void and you've gotten to travel with the you know do some promotional stuff for the u.s national team i think that helps a lot I'm sure that helped you a lot, but uh, I think that's one of the biggest things people don't understand is being part of a team is, is something special, and it's hard to fill that void when you're done. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, that's exactly what I say is if um, somebody asks me, what do you miss most? It's like, oh, you miss the banter. You miss the joking around with your teammates, right? I miss the big games. I miss that. And in some regards, um, I miss the preparation, but the preparation is, is what I do on a daily basis, right? I'm still using those tools to kind of, you know, have me feeling when showcasing my athleticism till today. So, you know, it's tough. It's a tough transition. But again, if you start um, knocking away at those tools and those little habits that from early on, it sets you up and makes the transition a lot easier. So, Lori, tell, uh, tell people where they can find you and, and what kind of stuff you've got going online. Yeah, so they um, can find me at laurylindsay.us. So it's ey.us. And uh, my website is it's definitely up, but it's being currently revamped. So there'll be a whole new look coming soon in the next month or so. And then across the board with Instagram or social media. So um, Instagram, Twitter, laurylindsay6. And then I'm on Facebook as well. And um, if you're in the Northern Virginia, anywhere there, um, come visit us beyond strength performance and that's bspnova.com. Well, thanks for being on today. I really appreciate taking the time to do that. And I really enjoyed having you on. And once again, thanks you for tuning in to another episode of the Jim Laird show brought to you by body IOFM. If you want to catch up with me, uh, I'm doing a better job of posting on my blog, jimlaird.org. That's J I M L A R D dot org. And you can look up my gym, Jim Laird strength and conditioning, G Y M L A I R D. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me on the contact pages either on my blog or on the gym site. If you have any questions or anyone that you'd like me to interview or if you'd like to do some consulting with me, feel free to contact me there. So until next time, have a great day. You've been listening to The Jim Laird Show with your host, Jim Laird. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. Don't miss the next episode of The Jim Laird Show, when he'll probably say something inappropriate but unexpectedly insightful.